everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Stride Power Podcast. My name is Evan, and today we'll be talking about using running power on the treadmill, a great article from Steve Palladino of the Palladino Power Project. This was recently published uh, last week, and I thought this was a fantastic, fantastic topic. The article is super in-depth, gives a ton of really useful information. I thought it could be helpful for a large, large amount of people. Uh, I want to start the show by uh, kindly asking you to subscribe if you can on the platform of your choice so you never miss an episode. If you find any of the information useful at all, feel free to share it with any of your running friends. I also uh, put out a call for people to email us at support at stride.com if they had any uh, sort of success stories with stride or any thoughts that they wanted to share about um, future podcast episodes. So I got a, a, a few of those emails in. So if you have a idea or you have a story that you wanted to share, I would love to read that on the show. Um, I do have one here from Scott. He emailed in and said, uh, on the last podcast, you asked for folks willing to share their story of using stride. I think that my experience might be worth sharing to help others learn about the benefit of stride. In short, I was a faithful heart rate user and when hearing about power from a Malcolm Gladwell and Lance Armstrong podcast, I, did I decided to try it out, and of course, Stride was the first result, so that's where I went. I was in the middle of a two-year effort to break the three-hour marathon mark. In November 2017, I ran 3.28, and in November 2019, I ran 2.56, with the new Stride guiding my race day efforts. It played a critical role in my race day as heart rate was well over its usual level given the effort. Without the stride guidance, I may have slowed down my early pace, which would have surely impacted my final time and put the goal in jeopardy. My entire focus was the marathon result, and stride played a huge role in maximizing my opportunity to reach my goal. Thanks for everything. The podcast is great, and Kaylee was a great help in game planning for my target race, so happy to help others find stride in the power of power. Thanks, Scott. Uh, thank you, Scott, for sending that in. Really, really do appreciate it. Um, I love that last line there, helping others find stride in the power of power. I think that's a great line um, there. So yeah, subscribe if uh, you, you have not already. Share share the podcast if you have any um, you know stories like that where you feel like your situation is uh, something that you've gotten to benefit. We're really trying to put out more content there and just show other people um, you know, who maybe have not heard of Stride, or might be still be on the fence. I want to show them real examples and real ways that uh, other people like themselves have had a benefit by transitioning to running with power. So um, on today's episode, we're going to talk about using running power on the treadmill. You should absolutely, absolutely look up the Palladino Power Project for more information like this. Steve Palladino is a fantastic pioneer um, for running power coaching, and he's doing a great job getting more content out there like this. I think that this is especially relevant to anybody any time of the year that might, um, you know, hop on the treadmill and do do runs and pace by power uh, on the treadmill. But just to help you get more of a general overview of how training with power can vary depending on your situation. So now that it is the start of the new year, it's January. There might be a lot of people that find that the weather kind of regulates them to have to run indoors, have to run on the treadmill, and it doesn't have to be an experience that you suffer through. I really think that 
listening to this full episode will help give you a really good idea of not only the key factors that go into running with power on the treadmill, but how to make running with power on the treadmill a good experience. I think people will really, really learn uh, a lot from this. So uh, huge kudos, huge credit to Steve Palladino for putting out this article. Um, I'm super glad uh, that we can kind of share this information to more people as well. So uh, without further ado, here is the article. Uh, Treadmill running is a common practice, whether to avoid temperature and humidity extremes, or dark, dangerous outdoor running conditions, or simply for convenience. Particularly during the colder, darker winter months in the northern hemisphere, like cyclists that turn to the indoor stationary trainer, runners turn to the treadmill. However, to optimize the running with power experience on a treadmill, the user must be a savvy of the specificity of the treadmill. For example, treadmill running has been documented to be associated with different mechanics and lower running economy than overground running outside. And in this article, there are full links to these scientific studies that are being referenced. Um, I'll include the link to the article in the show notes that you can find on your podcast platform. For power users, stride power users, any running power users, there are considerations to understand and apply when taking their runs to the treadmill. So the points we're going to talk about here are critical power portability, heat and humidity, stride air power, motorized versus non-motorized treadmills, and incline. Uh, There's another point here in calibration. Uh, I don't feel like this is the proper um, podcast to dive into a a sort of calibration talk on the treadmill as well. Um, There's a lot of really good literature which can be found in this article that is referenced, but I'm just going to talk about uh, some of the other points here. So um, talking first about critical power portability. Running with power is typically executed to a relative intensity. In the majority of situations, the intensity that is executed is relative to your functional threshold power, your FTP, or your critical power. For the stride platform, we call it critical power. However, one cannot assume that a critical power value is universally portable. A critical power established at sea level should not be assumed to be portable to altitude. So whatever you refer to as altitude, this article says 1,800 meters elevation. So, you know, approaching 6,000 feet of elevation, you would not assume that the running power you output for your critical power at sea level should be translated all the way up to higher elevation, higher altitude. A critical power established at 15 degrees Celsius should not be assumed to be portable to runs at 25 degrees Celsius. Um, You know, the exact temperature doesn't really matter, but let's say you ran a, uh, you know, in a zero degree Celsius day, so a 32 degree Fahrenheit day, then all of a sudden it gets really, really warm. You would not assume that you can translate that same effort exactly. It is all a relative dependency. Depending on the circumstances, the critical power value on which one has been basing outdoor training may not be portable to indoor treadmill running. And if a critical power value is invalid for indoor treadmill training, then all training executed relative to that critical power will be relatively wrong. So relative is the key word here. For example, let's give a practical example. A case where a runner's outdoor critical power is 300 watts and the treadmill it's actually going to be 4% less, 288 watts. In this exact, exact scenario, we're not talking about how to calculate that yet. 
if the runner fails to recognize that the outdoor critical power is not portable to the treadmill and runs relative to their outdoor critical power, what would happen? A 45-minute easy aerobic run at 80% of your critical power, instead of being a properly executed relative to the treadmill critical power at 230 watts, if you just go off of your outdoor critical power, you'd actually run at 240 watts, and you'd effectively overshoot by that percentage. So you'd be running 10 watts higher than you're actually supposed to be. So over time, this could, you know, lead to some higher injury risk. It could lead to a higher training load that you might not necessarily want. So this is giving a very specific example of a example runner where their outdoor critical power is 300 watts, their indoor critical power is 288 watts. And if they were to just stick to that outdoor critical power, they might have a chance at overtraining because they're not paying attention to the relative intensity they're supposed to be at. An important consideration here uh, for moving your running to the treadmill would be the awareness of heat and humidity differences between outdoor overground running and indoor treadmill running. If you've been training in cooler temperatures and your critical power was established outdoors in those same cooler temperatures, then you go to the treadmill running indoors where it's warmer, you might not have sufficient airflow, the outdoor critical power is not likely directly portable to treadmill training. It's likely that your outdoor cooler temperature critical power is relatively too high for use in a warmer treadmill environment. And I want to take a step back here and just say, if you've gone from running in the winter, the fall into winter, and the temperatures have kind of cooled down and you've been feeling pretty fit, maybe you run a goal race at the end of the summer into the early fall, you're still training through, and then all of a sudden, you know, you're running some pretty cold days outside, you go to the treadmill and it's indoors, or you know, you go to the gym and it feels really hot and stuffy, or you run in your basement where your treadmill is and there's really bad airflow, you know exactly how this feels. You know exactly how hard it is to transition from outdoor cooler running temperatures to suddenly throwing yourself into really, really warm, uh, you know, pain cave, uh, environments. And so this factor, I feel like, is super, super important. Um, uh, Steve continues to write that this consideration applies equally to stride non-wind versions, stride wind versions, and any other running power meters that can be used on a treadmill. Um, to make the conversion so that your critical power is correct relative to the conditions found indoors on the treadmill, you should use a, a, a calculator, an environmental calculator. The one here that I 100% think um, people should look at is the superpower calculator. You can find it linked into this document under the heat and humidity section, as well as a couple other sections in the article. You can convert a critical power value from the cooler outdoor running set of environmental conditions to the normal conditions when you run indoors. So let's just say I'm running outdoors at 40 degrees Fahrenheit, um, and then I transition to a room temperature 70 degree indoor gym where you know my apartment keeps it pretty warm in there. I'm not gonna want to run at the same exact power because I should recognize that it is warmer, it's harder conditions, so I need to adjust properly. So for these three different uh, situations of determining your critical power, here is what you should do, writes Steve. If you've done a critical power test, use the temperature and humidity at the time of the test as the from condition. So in this calculator, there is a uh, from and then a to. Uh, so if you run a race, 
use the temperature and humidity at the time of the race. If you have a, a critical power model like Stride's auto critical power, or use another platform's um, you know, fitness detection modeling there, you'll take the approximate average temperature humidity. It should be relatively easy to figure out um, from the past 90 days as the conditions that you're calculating from. Um, there's a great link to how to use the superpower calculator to adjust for different environmental conditions. There's a video that Steve has recorded that he links in this article as well. I think that's great. Um, for example, let's say a runner's critical power, again, was 300 watts based on a recent critical power test conducted at 10 degrees Celsius and 50% humidity. And let's say that that runner will be running on a treadmill indoors at 20 degrees Celsius with an estimated humidity of 70%. Again, these are just numbers to show you a practical example. The critical power value would be corrected from 300 watts to 295 watts. So with this calculator, it's a super easy uh, entering in this, this type of uh, Excel or Google sheet, and it shows that you should adjust based off these exact conditions just given uh, to 98.49% of the outdoor critical power, which happens to be 295 watts. Um, to mitigate the impact on the indoor treadmill environment of critical power and associated training power targets, you should optimize the treadmill environment when possible. So if possible, lower the room temperature. If possible, use larger electric fans. Uh, there are some treadmills out there that are pretty fancy and have these uh, tower fans built into the treadmill. So um, whatever you can use to kind of mitigate the, uh, you know, the heat directly around your area on the treadmill is going to make sure you don't have to um, adjust as much. But this is the way to adjust for heat and humidity. I would 100% recommend reading the uh, article here just so you can kind of play around with this calculator because it's kind of cool to say, oh, you know, I do normally train outdoors and it's pretty chilly. And then when I run indoors, it's very, very warm. So I just want to get an idea of how much I should adjust by. Um, Next kind of uh, topic here is Stride Air Power. So with the new Stride, the Stride Wind version, it adds another twist to the issue of portability of critical power from outdoors to the treadmill. That issue is air power. Outdoors running overground, a runner must overcome air resistance generated by both the speed of the runner and any headwind that is present. So any wind around you that is present. We've talked about this on the podcast in the past of uh, what air power is and what that means. The wind stride pod reports the power to overcome air resistance as air power, and it adds a air power into total power and will show you air power contribution percent. The non-wind stride version does not detect air resistance. So the power reported from the non-wind version doesn't have that air power, obviously, and it'll kind of impact the the data that you're seeing, but there's considerations built into this article, which I, I think is great. Um, there's a little bit of math here. If you've read the Secret of Running book, you're familiar with the, um, you know, the, the, the summaries of the total power is equal to running power plus air power, so PA, PRPT. Um, I don't necessarily want to have to go through that full explanation because I, I think that um, the article breaks it down great enough. Um, but what you should know is an example. You should definitely know an example of how you can translate uh, a critical power test with air power um, and take those numbers to a indoor running environment. So let's say you're a runner and you do a three minute, 10 minute critical power 
test. And if you haven't listened to the podcast episode on the critical power test yet, that's one of the early episodes I would absolutely recommend listening to that one just to understand uh, critical power and what a critical power test is. So let's say that you ran your three minute test and for this runner, they averaged 422 watts for their three minutes. Um, 22 watts of that was air power, 400 watts was the running power, so that means the air resistance power is 5%, and then the rest of the percent is 95%, so you take 95%, or you just subtract, um, you know, the uh, 22 watts from that, and you'd have 400, and then you have your 10-minute test, you run 363 watts, and 15 or 15 watts of that was air power, that's 4%. Um, so you take these, you put it in the critical power uh, test, and then you can find your critical power. Um, so the total critical power from this test would be 337, respecting outdoor conditions. Then when you move indoors, it would actually adjust down to 325 based on the numbers that we've kind of subtracted out there. The article breaks it down if you're really curious about the math and how it works. But basically, this is illustrating an exact example of how you would do a critical power test outside, take that data and then easily find your indoor critical power uh, that you should be running at. So I think the article is great for that. Um, the next example here is if you were to be doing a uh, workout based off of uh, that critical power assumption. So we originally had a 337 critical power, but now we want to drop it down to um, 325. So the, the article talks about if you were to do four times three minutes at 104 to 106% of your CP, you have a pretty big watt difference there that you might find yourself really, really struggling to be doing this workout on the treadmill because it just seems like it's too hard. Well, yeah, it's too hard because you didn't account for the calculation that you were supposed to adjust. So um, this part of the article is really good to show you a practical example of adjusting workout specificity. So you take it down from 351 watts for this runner. Um, th their goal is four times three minutes at 104 to 106% of critical power. They would be trying to execute a workout of four times three minutes at 351 to 358 watts. However, they should adjust down to 341 to 347 watts. So they should adjust by 10 to 11 watts, uh, subtract that. That becomes a big difference in a more appropriate adjustment for their indoor running conditions without even adjusting for the temperature as well. So this is just taking that critical power um, and then adjusting based off of that. Um, the next point here is running on a motorized versus non-motorized treadmill. So non-motorized treadmills are curved treadmills or self-powered treadmills, and these open up a lot of uh, tricky considerations. However, Steve does an expert job at breaking it down. Uh, non-motorized treadmills may have the advantage of greater mechanical sim similarities to overground running than motorized treadmills. However, Non-motorized treadmills have been noted to be associated with a significantly higher oxygen utilization, heart rate, and the rating of perceived exertion compared to both motorized treadmill running and overground running. So there are um, some studies here. There are three studies linked here. Um, so it's clear that the power demands for running at a given relative intensity are much different than both overground outdoor running and motorized treadmill running. An outdoor critical power is not portable, not portable at all, to a non 
motorized treadmill. So again, that self-powered curved treadmill. Um, for that matter, a critical power that is specific to a motorized treadmill is also not portable to a non-motorized treadmill. Quite simply, if you're going to train on a non-motorized treadmill, you need to do a CP test on the non-motorized treadmill to be absolutely sure of the power target. So um, stepping back, this is, uh, again, you know, probably one of the key words of this podcast episode and this uh, specific um, type of article is that relative, relative intensity is going to be that thing that you should remember while listening to this. If you are training in a certain environment, you can use that same type of calculation for your training to have the best result of your training, have the best calculations for your race. But if you're going to be switching the environment and the type of area where you're going to be training, you have to make sure that you're adjusting and you're keeping the relative intensity the same. And that's the thing that I want to hit home about this uh, podcast episode in this article, which I think the article takes, you know, a, a great, um, uh, great explanation for it for what some people might consider a complicated uh, subject. But the, the thing to remember is that if you're running on a self powered treadmill versus a normal motorized treadmill, though, those are two different things. And you have to make sure that you are actually um, you know, keeping the relative intensity the same. If you are running outdoors versus indoors, you have to make sure that that relative intensity is the same. The uh, next part of the article is talking about incline. So incline, it's been demonstrated that in terms of oxygen utilization, running on a 1% treadmill incline best matches outdoor overground running at the same velocity. Keep in mind though, that the 1% treadmill number is a generalization. The actual best match varies a bit depending on the running speed selected. However, an incline setting of about 0.5% to 1.5% would allow for a best match across a range of speeds from uh, 2.92 meters per second, which is 9.11 uh, minutes per mile to 5.42 minutes per kilometer, all the way up to 5 meters a second, which is 5.21 mile pace or 3.20 kilometer pace. At speeds slower than 3.75 meters per second, which is... 709 per mile, 426 minutes per kilometer. It's probably of no importance whether you run at 0% incline or a 1% incline. So I want to break that exact number uh, down again. You can use between 0.5 to 1.5 for an incline if you're running between 9-minute miles and about 5-minute miles. If you're running between about 540 kilometers or 320 kilometers. And then if you're running at speeds slower than 709 per mile or 426 per kilometer, it's probably of no importance whether you run at 0% incline or a 1% incline. So that's a very good reference. There is a, a figure in here that talks about the kind of equivalences of meters per second to the different inclines and the studies that they've done in oxygen consumption. Um, it is a cool deep dive into the the science kind of behind it, but the general thing you should know is the the numbers that I just read. Um, if you want to run on a treadmill incline of zero to one point five percent, the power reporting from stride to the watch will be reasonably accurate and useful. Uh, however, if you wish to run at an incline of two percent or higher, then for more accurate power reporting, it'll be necessary to use the stride phone app on indoor mode 
in which you select the incline setting um, and the app will actually apply that scaling incline factor for you during the run. That is how you currently get incline in the Stride ecosystem. When you're running on higher treadmill inclines uh, to adequately match the mechanics of overground hill running, that's another matter. It's not likely as specific to overground hill running as one might hope. For some reason, being able to target a higher relative intensity and a higher incline while running at a slower speed might feel safer. In the end, Steve's recommendation is to just set the treadmill between 0.5% and 1.5%, depending on your speed, or just run at 1% and not worry about the small variations. Run by power using the power reported from the pod to the watch. But again, if you go above 2% incline, you can use a Stride Indoor um, app to uh, tell the Stride and tell the app, hey, here's the incline being reported. Um, a few final points that Steve wants to hammer home. Remember that for treadmill running, one must set your watch to distance and speed from stride and to turn off distance and speed from GPS. Um, I've been a victim of that many times where, um, you know, if I'm testing stuff, I don't have my stride paired to my watch. All of a sudden I look down and, uh, you know, my watch accelerometer is giving me pace in the treadmill and I'm kicking myself. I can still, you know, um, sync my stride through my stride app. So I'm, I'm fine in, in that respect. But uh, for treadmill running, you must set the watch to distance and speed from stride, turn off the distance and speed from GPS. Training on a treadmill will likely be executed in many cases to a lower power than outdoor running, again, because that air resistance isn't there. As such, the training load metrics, running stress score or training stress score, will result in slightly lower value at the same effort for overground running. If you're running occasionally on the treadmill, Steve's advice is to not worry about the small differences. It's really not that important in the grand scheme or when looking at training load from what he calls the 25,000 foot level in a performance management chart. So if you're looking at the grand scheme of things, those tiny, tiny variations aren't going to make the biggest difference. It's going to be the trend over time. However, if you're switching to predominantly indoor training for a period of more than a week or two, like if you're moving to training indoors for the winter or if you live in a climate where the end of fall all the way into the beginning of spring, you should suggest he suggests resetting critical power to a treadmill-specific critical power so that the training load metrics are accounted for more properly over the span of indoor training. Um, you'll note that when you run outside with stride, uh, the power might move a little bit more, so the line will look a little bit more uh, spiky or bouncy. It's the nature of how humans run. However, when running on a motorized treadmill with a near-constant belt speed, you'll notice that the power tracing for a run is much smoother. Interestingly, if you're on a non-motorized treadmill, power will appear more uh, bouncy uh, than it's seen on a normal uh, running treadmill and closer to, but maybe not as quite exactly the same as overground running. So ending this episode talking about a summary, I think this is a great uh, thing to end on. It's an overview of the various factors to consider in running with power on a treadmill um, that have been presented, perhaps the most important consideration is to understand that for various reasons, outdoor critical power is not necessarily portable to indoor treadmill use. So he includes three figures here in three different situations of these steps you should follow. So you let's just say you have a non-wind stride and you use a motorized treadmill. You can use your outdoor critical power. You can then Take that because it doesn't account for the air resistance. You can use that exact number. You can adjust the critical power to indoor 
conditions using that superpower calculator that you should absolutely check out. Um, look for it in the show notes. Uh, and then use your power targets based on that adjusted critical power and run at a 1% incline. That's the steps for using a non-wind stride on a motorized treadmill. The process for a wind stride for a motorized treadmill, you cannot use your critical power from outdoors. You apply methods to convert a zero air power critical power or do a critical power test on the treadmill. So like we talked about, either do a critical power test if you do a race that you're calculating off of or just assume the the um, the, the general number of the air power from your, your critical power uh, type of the curve, the auto CP. You then adjust that to the indoor conditions. It's not needed if you do the critical power test done on a treadmill if you're, again, keeping that relative condition the same. Um, and then power targets based on adjusted critical power, run at 1% incline. If you are using the non-wind and wind stride on a non-motorized treadmill, so a self-powered treadmill or curved treadmill, outdoor critical power cannot be used. Do a CP test on the treadmill, uh, adjust to the indoor conditions, and then go for your power targets based on the adjusted conditions. So this is a fantastic article that I really recommend that if you run on the treadmill, if this sounds interesting to you, you should give the article a read so you can pull out some of the equations. You can pull out some of the links. There are some really cool studies that are in here. Um, there's a couple more references that I think you should absolutely look at. Um, part of this write-up will be on the blog.stride.com, uh, but we will absolutely link to the Using Running Power on the Treadmill by Steve Palladino, coaching consultant Palladino Power Project. This article was written on January 4th, 2020. I think it is a fantastic summary of how to actually practically and feasibly go from outdoor running to indoor running on the treadmill. So thanks so much for tuning in to this episode. I want to pull out, put out another, um, you know, call to action. If you have a story that you would like to share with the stride team, if you have an idea for a future podcast, something that you'd really like to hear about, totally, totally send us an email support at stride.com. Just put the the word podcast in the title, uh, or just tell us your idea for the podcast and it'll be directed at myself. Um, we're really excited to keep pushing out this content and I am so excited to check out, uh, you know, how well the podcast is doing, um, you know, week after week, I get super excited with, uh, you know, some of the, um, basically the podcast platform we use, it shows us some of the stats from different countries. I am absolutely amazed that, you know, we can put a podcast together here in Boulder, Colorado, press, um, you know, a couple buttons on, on my computer and it'll get shared out across the world. I love seeing the number of downloads go up. I love seeing the other, um, you know, charts that show the other running podcasts that it's, uh, right next to. So the spread and the awareness of running power comes from the number of people, um, on the podcast platform, at least for the number of people that have downloaded it, that maybe shared it with their friends. So if you find this really useful, um, please share it out. It would help us a ton. Um, and definitely let us know if you have any questions in the future. Otherwise, this was another episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll be back uh, next week with another one. Bye-bye.